Cameron. Hello, Jordan. How are you doing today? Welcome. Thank you. Today is going to be somewhat of an introduction to Pele Network, and what better guest to have than Cameron Sagetti, founding member, and in a lot of ways, the, the gears of how Pele works is thanks to Cameron's ingenuity and his ideas. Cameron and I met briefly. We'll just we'll go through our little history together because uh, it's fairly broad. We met. What was it? Three years ago now, 2018, right after the last bull run. And had to have been yeah, somewhere in there. It was in the Hollow Chain forums. <laughs> if anyone remembers Hollow Chain, is it still around? It's got a bigger market cap than Zilliqa. Oh, really? So it's, they're still working on it, right? Okay. Doing uh, something. Well, so uh, from from my end, uh, Matt and I have been looking for, I guess, people that knew what they were doing <laughs> in in the blockchain space because we had been crypto enthusiasts for so long, but we didn't know the. Fr I mean, I had tried to start learning Solidity, and it just I didn't have the lifestyle to study something like that, nor do I have the brain. <laughs> and uh, yeah, after that bull run, it just became clear that, okay, we have this media collective idea and we really need to take it somewhere. And it definitely needs to exist in the crypto space. So I started exploring a bunch of blockchain communities that felt like more community oriented than Ethereum. Because by that point, Ethereum was just oversaturated with, with a whole lot of nonsense. And I think communities were forming. I guess they still are forming in it. But as far as getting in on the ground floor of a blockchain, uh, the Ethereum ship had sailed. And not only that, Ethereum was super expensive and it was starting to unravel itself, which I think... And they had their own culture, which isn't entirely a perfect fit. So Holochain, I guess at a certain stage, Cameron and I both felt like maybe this could be it. You for your career in the blockchain space and me for putting this app somewhere this it wasn't called Pele yet and it's not really an app it's more of a platform or protocol but uh so we looked at holochain i really liked their branding at the time and their message i liked how it was all about putting uh devices in everyone's homes to make a new internet <laughs> i think that was right around the time of the pied piper coin that went off yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you stuck with Holochain for a minute. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I went to Denver and worked with them for a bit, and then uh, decided to let them simmer. They they have start from the ground ambitions that most blockchains are like. We'll use tools that have been already built, or borrow some code from this. Litecoin's a fork of Bitcoin. There's like ten thousand Ethereum forks out there. Holochain was like, we're gonna start from nothing zero bit and one bit that's what we start with and so I th they said they would have a, a beta out a month after they started the rewrite and i said that's just not possible and i've given them a uh, th three years now and I'm, i actually am thinking I, it's probably time to check in on them again oh yeah i remember you saying something about how the whole model of holochain can't work when your token price pumps like it did in mid 2018 yeah, I think they've changed it to where they use like a, a basket of currencies because their currency became too volatile. Originally, I think their plan was to make through some some clever maneuvering hollow kind of stable. And then they realized no matter what they do, because hollows on exchanges where Bitcoin is traded, it'll never be that stable. And so they're going to use a basket of currencies to make another stable coin. Well, I feel that's like kind of the, the, the founding steps of 
DeFi in general is you have all these internal like I was looking at how there's a like a, a internal XCAD token now for staking. Uh, Package Portal has all these different tokens, and you know I was never too into DeFi. Like I like Thorchain, obviously. I'm I've always been more of like more on the Bitcoin front of things, but you can't run smart contract applications, especially at scale, on Bitcoin. Um, yeah. We'll get to that part of our story soon when we looked into Rootstock. But, but, uh, yeah, so I always see all these, like, random, like, tokens inside of tokens now, and I still don't completely understand them, but it is something that we actually do in Pele. So when I look at it from Pele's point of view, I do understand it. But when you look at it from a decentralized finance perspective, I guess it makes a lot of sense when, you know, you're dealing with this volatility and you're trying to get stuff done, especially when you're talking about gas fees and hosting people's content on these little devices you put in people's homes, which is what Holochain had ambitions for. So you left Holochain, and was there anything in between Holochain and Zilliqa? How did you arrive at Zilliqa? They actually kind of overlapped, you see, because Holochain, even though it's you know a chain, it's not actually a blockchain in the slightest. It's, um, it's, it's really a, a distributed... Yeah, right. Holochain, which is really just you making a blockchain for yourself on a DHD every time you want to. Uh, so they kind of complement each other in a way where Zilliqa is great for, you know, especially transactional things like just straight up tokens. You know, it gets from A to B all at once, whether it's a transaction of one NFT or a thousand uh, ZRC2 tokens, they're going to go and they're all going to get or they're not. Holochain at the time was a little bit odd where each coin had to kind of make its way there on its own so you might get a transaction where not all of it made it through that they might have fixed that by now but uh basically it seemed like a great option for things like incentivizing the you know the hosting and production or not production but uh sharing of video files those things it would be very easy to express in holochain impossible to express effectively on a blockchain like zilliqa and so they they were compliments i'm still looking for that Part B, you know, it could be Holochain, but I think for a uh, smart contract blockchain, I'm pretty specialized in Silica. I've been tempted away many times by things like Algorand and lately Avalanche, but there's always a, a gotcha where it seems like I would have to deal with inefficient, in, insufficiencies in the protocol, whereas Silica today feels like a faster Ethereum. Right, right. So is that ultimately why you stuck, you found Zalika and stuck and settled with them for now? Yeah. I think my, my uh, motives were similar to yours. I sort of looked around and was trying to find, I had all these great ideas, I felt like, and I wanted to find some developers to take them seriously and talk with them that knew the space. And well, none of the developers would give me the time of day because it was the bull run in 2017. So I, I started to look into what it meant to be a smart contract developer. I said, oh, I could do that. Right. <laughs> it took me a while, but now I think I, I at least uh, have the, the ability to code uh, Scylla very, very well. Yeah, that's one thing I've admired about you since we met is, for me, new programming languages. I mean, I do, I do HTML, CSS. I can read my way through JavaScript, kind of, and PHP, which is what our beta runs off of. But uh, And I guess the more I'm looking at these Scylla smart contracts, I can kind of follow them. But... To actually get to a point, you know, like where you're at and learn, like, yeah, I have the utmost respect for you and your kind because it's, it's an intimidating task. <laughs> yeah. 
So it took me a long time. So you got to Zalika, to Zilika. <laughs> you you told me the name was Zalika, and then I was doing the episode know, with Sandra, <laughs> and everyone's everyone was <laughs> correcting me, and I. My first reaction to that is like, well, no, screw you. I'm going to use, I'm going to say it the other way because who cares? But as one thing we did discuss where our name Pele comes from the Hawaiian fire goddess and that essentially in reality equates to lava and magma flowing and destroying everything, but leaving a very fertile soil after, not a soil, but a fertile, fertile terrain from which nutritious soil could come to create natural abundance. A uh, part of that, I guess, ash that comes down in the soil is silica. <laughs> yeah, funny and, synergy. <laughs> yeah, and silica is named after silica because it's also, I guess, uh, you would be able to explain this better than me. But is it part of what silicon dioxide is? It's like mm -hmm. it's part of what you need it's to like, make microchips. It's like the ore that you, that people that they process to make, uh, you know, chips and especially boards. Right. So I, I probably would have been on board with Zilliqa way earlier had I had I heard that sinner. I should have given you the geological explanation. I was I was right there. So your real quick, your history. You're more of a geologist than a computer scientist. Uh, well, that's like I I probably always straddled them both. Uh, my all of my jobs to date have been in computer science, and I did study computer science in school, but. My uh, first love and the reason why I even finished my degree was uh, geophysics. And so they, they, I wouldn't say I've made a dollar out of my geophysics experience, but it has motivated a lot of what I've done, you know, especially in climate change and working with some geoengineers to try to tokenize their, their schemes. That all comes from things I did when I was a student or offshoots of that. So... It was never part of the mainstream narrative that I remember. Maybe there were mentions of it, but it wasn't until this year that the carbon footprint of cryptocurrency really became a topic of conversation. And I was speaking with Dr. Death, the NFT artist duo that uses Zilliqa. They chose Zilliqa for their art because of its carbon footprint. And I'm pretty sure it's because oh. of the article you posted, the Medium blog. Because uh, they've shared that on a few different chat rooms I've seen. Yeah. So would you say because of your passion for for geology, for rocks, as you've put it before, would you say that contributed to your decision to to really like Zilliqa? Or would you say it's more about just the technology of Zilliqa is really good. It's better for smart contracts. And that's icing on the cake. Oh, man. I actually probably would go with the icing on the cake at this point because I am of the opinion that uh, blockchains should be concerned about this, but oftentimes I think it's a red herring where even the, the most concerned sounding, you know, news articles are really just there to pump something else that just happens to have no carbon footprint or low carbon footprint because there's no proof of work. I think proof of work does a lot of very important things for blockchains that we, we haven't actually proven in the wild that you can remove it and have a stable blockchain. And so, you know, this, the, I read the Silica white paper probably before we well before we talked and i kind of realized that they were they took one risk which was we're going to shard a smart contract chain and we're going to have a plan going into it of how to do it because they're academics everything else they were very conservative about proof of work is ethereum proof of work the signatures are the exact signatures bitcoin uses everything else had been proven in the wild and so for me it's easy to re reason about that where i don't have to think like okay what if in two years this cryptographic assumption is broken well proof of work has been out for 13 years there's basically a 
almost trillion dollar bounty on pr breaking it. Right. And so <laughs> at least that one I can I can safely stand on. It feels like solid ground. Right, right. And that's a debate that still continues to this day. Although most of the voices I respect all agree proof of stake can't really work. Well, you are coming from Bitcoin, so that's not surprising. Well, one reason, uh, so Zilliqa is proof of work, but doesn't it have a kind of hybrid proof of stake model built in there as well? It has staking, but the staking doesn't interact with the protocol. So you, there's no concern about a balance of power where, you know, if somebody gets enough funds, they can change the way smart contracts are executed. Those are always executed in, in tandem by, by nodes in the shards. So it has nothing to do with who has money. I guess it does in, in the sense that you would probably have more mining power if you're wealthy or not wealthy. But there's like this removal of the third check and balance when you say everything's proof of stake. The people who have the money are going to make the rules. Then there's there's something kind of missing where it could easily spiral into an oligarchy or even like, you know, a hyper oligarchy. Maybe you would already say it's already an oligarchy, but... Yeah, I was reading. It's an experiment. I, I want to experiment, so I don't want to be the thing that's experimented on. I think Z Silica offers a good alternative to Ethereum today, where you know there's no question of oh, it's a centralized side chain, it's a layer two, it's proof of stake. We don't know if the game theory simulations have really proven the test of time. It just has all of the things it has, but you know, a little sleeker, a little newer. An interesting argument for the proof of stake. I mean, I, I'm a real big fan of Decred. The, the currency, it's kind of OG. It's been around a long time. It's a proof. They're hybrid. Yeah, it's a proof of work blockchain, proof of work mining, but it's proof of stake voting uh, as a form of proof of stake security, as the website says. And I, you know, you, you stake your coins uh, in exchange for a ticket in your wallet, and then you use that ticket to vote. And ticket voting, I actually don't know if every ticket gets to vote. I forget how that works. But anyway, yeah, that I think is a pretty successful project thus far. Oh, I would agree that staking has a role. It's it's a very valuable and like familiar pattern that shows up in the real world already. Right. And uh, the, the where I draw the line is I don't think it, people that are, you know, incentivized purely by financial gain can really play the, the honest role all the time. If that's, you know, the way you've pitched it, then if something floats across their desk where they'll get slashed, but they'll make out ahead. Why wouldn't they? What no, noble reason would they have to, to refuse a bigger payout if it's all based off of economic gain function? Right, right. I always looked at, looked at Decred as imagine that one country one day wanted to use it for their governance, right? Like for a democracy. Uh, but they needed some tweaks made. So imagine they, made a, they forked it. I guess you would call it a, would it be downstream? Uh, and then they bought enough decred, the coins, in order to buy enough voting tickets to vote on proposals that could that could enhance their governance model for their particular use case. In which case, the original network, the original token holders would all be like, yeah, cool, buy as many tickets as you want. But then meanwhile, you have these actors that are forking these open source blockchains in order to use them for their own needs. I'm wondering if what you're saying about about these, I guess, whales or people with the money coming in and kind of manipulating that for, for bad. Who knows if they have or have it, but I think the incentive is there. That's what concerns me is there's, mm -hmm. there's an escape hatch for the, uh, not, maybe not even malice, but uh, self-invested wrongdoing.
Right, right. And that's that's always the conversation, right? Like trust, don't verify, uh, or verify, don't trust, verify, excuse me. Uh, the whole point of all this is trustless systems where those incentives don't even exist, so you don't have to worry about that being a possibility. Isn't that what we're aiming for here, <laughs> essentially, ideally? Yeah. I would think so. Yeah, so, so I think we can we can experiment on Zilliqa, and then if a proof-of-stake network really proves itself, maybe Zilliqa will take the best features of it. Maybe you'll just you know build it as a as a another token or a second token with all these bridges out there. You really don't have to worry too much about where you start out. Right, not these days, which is really cool. And let's talk about let's talk about staking. So staking was a big part of our early model. We had drafted our first white paper before meeting you, and we it was really kind of ethereal and kind of abstract. And we mentioned what Zilliqa now calls epochs. We called them phases, <laughs> uh, seasons. I think we said we were trying to use these these nature metaphors. And we had three different types of tokens, which now looking back on it from from today in retrospect makes me feel okay. We did have these uh, these DeFi like staking models already in there, and we called one of those tokens Earth because they were meant to be taken from the liquid token, the water token. You convert it into Earth, and then you stake that into a project essentially. And then that project would then generate value for the network, which in turn, then you receive a reward from staking. So similar to any, any staking-like feature on any blockchain is you stake and you receive some kind of a return, some kind of yield, whether that's 1% or what does the liquid do? 13% per year? Well, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a function, so it's not perfect, but I think it's 13.7 or something average. And is that going to be... While they're doing GZIL. Well, oh, only while they're doing GZIL. That's the effective yeah, rate okay. of return. Okay. Sure. So, yeah, so we have this built-in mechanism into the Pele network, and we call those PFTs. And essentially a PFT is a ticket to stake into something that is essentially going to enhance the network. And that's been a conversation going on here in the back end lately as we're wrapping up version two of the white paper so we can finally launch launch the Pele token. And a big part of this PFT thing is you stake it into media, a project, you can stake it into governance, you can stake it in all these different directions. And one cool experiment I think we're going to be going with as Pele Network is staking into content projects not as staking into a creator themselves but staking into a project that you know will enhance the greater network and that was one thing that i think was kind of unclear to me before you and i really hashed it out a few months ago so you found zilliqa you introduced zilliqa to me i think i remembered zilliqa ico way back when but i didn't really I, at that stage, I was kind of ICO'd out, and I was uh, not really looking at anything anymore, just kind of trying to hold my own with my Bitcoin holdings. But uh, <laughs> we would have conversations a bunch. You kind of joined the team, and it was really abstract. It was still about kind of travel media and that kind of thing. And I think it... we touched from travel. That's what you called it. Yeah, and that's still going to be an application that we can slap on top of, of Pele Network. And I think what's cool is we had all these ideas for apps that eventually led us around full circle to, okay, we can build a blockchain smart contract protocol to link all these apps together and they'll enhance each other by all their participation. 
Yeah, the DeFi Lego blocks. Yeah, yeah. So uh, where were we after that then? Uh, let's go to 2019. We met up in Europe. We traveled a bit. We kept talking. Uh, then in 2020, we just stayed in touch online. We st I started Pele. We started just doing a, a PHP backend. I wasn't sure if it was time to get into the crypto space and it didn't feel right. But then the bull run started this year and suddenly everything felt like it was the right time. So you came out here to California and we did a very intense powwow, <laughs> a head to head. Yeah. And we essentially wrote or white paper. got the first white paper. That, that was a good time. Yeah, right. That was a good time. And it was productive. And we really came down to... We really came down to the, the nuts and bolts of what we're trying to do. And we had to make some decisions. For example, we had to decide, you know, who are we, who are we targeting, right? Mm -hmm. And before we even started this phone call, we asked, okay, we're doing this Pele cast, this podcast. Like, who, who are we talking to here? Like, what is this for? And still to this day, I don't know who it's for. I, the main intention is to share who we are, share what the project is about, and keep the transparency open because we're launching out to Zillica and this token's going to be coming out there soon. And obviously the, the more community support, the better. Yet at the same time, our mission here is very much along the lines of what I believe is just like the OG Bitcoin maximalist, just like, <laughs> I mean, maybe that's just because it's just me, but I believe in the privacy. I believe in, I believe in the autonomy and that's something I don't get a lot of a vibe. I don't get a lot of in the Zillica space on Twitter. I mean, why is everyone using Twitter still, right? Uh, I guess you could <laughs> say the same thing about Bitcoin. Uh, why does yeah. no one have a Mastodon? Uh, Telegram, okay, cool. But, you know, everyone's using Discord still. Like, isn't that like a centralized Silicon Valley app? So I feel like there's this OG, really like legitimate mission that started cryptocurrency yet it's most people have no idea about it it's all about their their staking yields that's why the silica community needs you jordan we need somebody to remind us that we're trying to do something here that rebalances power you don't think uh that's in the the, the playbook for silica oh no i think it's it's in everybody the back of everybody's mind but i think Probably a lot of people, Silica isn't their first uh, blockchain that they're interested in. Maybe probably not their only one. And so, you know, they're not as uh, attached to the idealistic approach of or the viewpoint as they are about maybe being a little more practical and building the, the network as it is today. I mean, I think in, in five years, yeah, there will be, if it, everything goes according to plan, so, several social networks that either silently or proudly rely on the Silica blockchain in some way. Mm -hmm. But right now, everybody's kind of like, well, is it DeFi? Is it NFTs? What's next? You know, the Silica blockchain's probably been production ready for maybe a year. So it's going to take some time for that to come to, you know, actualized into the what's actually being produced. I mean, a lot of the coins on uh, Zillstream aren't exactly, let's, let's say a lot of them are either abandoned or where did they come from in the first place? Mm -hmm. Let's talk about centralization, speaking of Zillica. You told me once that every time there was a, I don't know what these are actually called, but 
uh, a, a big upgrade in the protocol, for example, every time there was a chance for the Zilliqa Incorporated, their company, every time there was a chance for them to kind of sneak a little centralized power or something like that, you told me that they, they were smooth. They kept an integrity with further decentralizing the protocol. Would that still hold true today? Yeah, I think that it's it's pretty easy to claim that not a lot of people pay attention to the zips, the Zalika improvement protocols on zips. GitHub or proposals on GitHub, and, uh, and and you know just generally what happens behind the scenes. But a lot of those were them unprompted from you know an outcry from the community, or maybe there was you know a, a, a government or enterprise client complaining about it. But they they kind of took these natural steps on their own. The biggest one being the seed nodes, because I think when we first started talking about Silica, you asked me what was the biggest risk category. And I said, well, right now only one company controls the RPC. So really, even though the execution of smart contracts is decentralized to where Zalika research could do pretty much nothing to alter it, the uh, or at that time, the ability to send transactions to the network was not actively in jeopardy, but passively in jeopardy to a centralized point. Now with the seed nodes, there's 13 or more major places where you can send your transaction that can broadcast it to the network. And so I think that does remove that complaint because the RPC isn't the same as validating transactions. If there's only 13 validators on a proof of stake network, I'd be a little concerned. Like mm -hmm. I have no interest in making EOS anything for that reason. <laughs> but uh, isn't quite the same level of power as that. Even if there were just two, I would be already feel much more relieved because there's there's only so much chicanery you can do with the RPC. But now that it's decentralized, that's the the last concern I would have is a lot of the brain power that could work on Silica in the future is centralized in one place, and that's that's hard to avoid. That's true of every blockchain, even Ethereum. If you remove consensus, they're in trouble. Right. Right. Well. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose that's um, the growing pains of any blockchain, right? Which is why Bitcoin is so impressive to me. And Decred, yeah. for that matter. <laughs> the Bitcoin sources and, are, I think it's a quarter of the Zilliqa source and like less than 10% of the lines of code of Geth, the Go Ethereum implementation. Yeah. Uh, that reminds me. So after you came by California, then we looked at different blockchains and we said hey uh, yeah. you know because i still i don't know parts of me still believe maybe we only need one blockchain to rule them all at the end of the day and maybe they will like for example i just set up a sphinx relay and a sphinx chat uh group for this podcast so it's podcasting 2.0 so basically you could enter the sphinx chat group and you can listen to this these episodes and you can tip however many Satoshis you want per minute you listen and it'll do it automatically. So imagine if you're creating worthwhile content, which I, I don't, I don't advise anyone to tip to listen to this stuff right now, but imagine that it is worthwhile inf informative content and you want to support the creator. You just open up one of these podcasting 2.0 apps and you can automatically tip Satoshis to these. I mean, that's huge. And it's with the most liquid cryptocurrency that there is. And that's like flying under the radar. And I set it all up and it, I run the whole node at my house. All the, all the tips go straight to your Lightning Network channel. There's no middleman at oh, all. Okay. 
it's, I was going to ask, how does it? How can you afford to tip in Bitcoin? But it's over Lightning, okay? It's over Lightning, and it's all through all through these nodes. So it's private, it's fast, you know, near instantaneous. And then I hook it up to a Telegram bot to withdraw the satoshis. I mean, there's none there because no one's no one's listened. But it was a cool process to set it up. I'll set it up as a musician. But while I'm doing that, it makes me wonder, like. Is what we're working on on these other blockchain? Obviously, we're working on a platform that's very different with very different intentions. But when we talk about the further complexifying of, I don't even want to say smart contracts, but of what's capable, what's possible on something like Bitcoin, then it makes me wonder if one day this will all be for naught. All these other blockchains like Zilliqa and Ether. You know what I mean? Well, it, it is a, a scenario that could go down. Probably the, my, my strongest defense against the maximalism is would the miners even want that? You know, every time there's a, anything like Lightning or the Rootstock, Taproot Protocol, all of those things are improvements to Bitcoin Core that go through many rounds of discussion between the developers and the miners about what they'll permit and allow. And then sometimes something comes along like Proof of Proof, which was, uh, I forgot which project did that, but it, they basically forced the Ethereum blockchain to absorb the costs of running another blockchain. And the miners started to get wise to it. And they're like, well, this, these transactions are just bogging things down and doing nothing. Oh, can you hear that? Yeah. Okay. There's just some dogs barking. Uh, so, yeah, the, they, the proof of proof bogged down the Ethereum, there's a leak on or the Bitcoin net main chain to where the miners started to censor the transactions that had proofs of proofs in them. And then there was kind of a, it, it seemed more like a political division than, uh, than like, you know, the miners are over here, these people are here. It was more like, who thinks this should happen, where people should just be able to build on Bitcoin, you know, arbitrarily. And who thinks that you have to play the game, you have to incentivize the miners to, to get in, into the game. So I think at the end of the day, the Bitcoin uh, main, main chain is somewhere around 200 gigabytes. Ethereum is already over a terabyte. EOS is as many terabytes. Ugh. And so there's like several reasons why, even if that was possible, it might not be desirable to either party. I think there probably will be one reserve currency and like the most widely distributed, most secure one right now is Bitcoin. So it's, you know, any project that tries to unseat it, it's going to have a real uphill battle. But as far as the smart contract layer one, I think that's still up in the air. If, if it wasn't, then Ethereum wouldn't be rushing to Ethereum 2.0, which is a totally different blockchain. It's not They're not the same blockchain at all. They just use the same unit of measure and name. I still think Ethereum 2.0 is just uh, smoke and mirrors. It's marketing. And it's. Uh, I think you and I talked about this once. And this is a really interesting concept. Uh, I want to get back to Bitcoin and Rootstock. But... Imagine if some of these blockchains eventually only exist to serve one dApp, like Uniswap or PancakeSwap or SushiSwap or whatever's the hype now, because those are really valuable tools. And there's so many projects on Ethereum. Uh, although I may imagine Uniswap will eventually just port over to Matic or or to something else eventually too. There's already QuickSwap on Matic. To bring anything over from Ether to... Tomatic. No, that's what they call their Uniswap clone. Oh, right. Quick swap. Okay. Yeah, so imagine if Ether only sticks around just to host some really cool, like Decentraland, maybe. I don't know how simply Decentraland could port over to Zalika, for example, but Decentraland is really cool. 
I think Decentraland is one of the coolest projects in the space. And especially now with NFT creativity going wild, you can bring those NFTs into Decentraland, right? Like you can have t-shirts and hats that are NFTs. Like that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's the metaverse at large. And I don't know if Zillica has any plans to create something like that. They sure as hell have there's the resources. A, there's a secret project that you'll hear more about later that's working on. Ooh. Maybe a, a, a different take on the Decentraland model. Yeah, okay, cool. Well, I'm, I'm all for it, but I'm just saying Decentraland is an example of something that maybe the Ethereum blockchain could stick around for, even if Ethereum 2.0 never comes around, stuff like that. That's a conversation you and I had before, and I found that thought really fascinating. I don't think it's unlikely that for every couple, you know, competitors with the ultimate winner of the smart contract wars that gets the lion's share, they'll there'll be some that stick around and become specialized because they have, a, you know, a killer app that doesn't want to port or can't port to somewhere else and decides to just basically fund the future development. You know, I think there's plenty of dApps on Ethereum that have raised more capital than Ethereum itself has on hand mm -hmm. through Ethereum research and stuff. And so that's kind of a source of anti-fragility. If, if the Ethereum devs themselves say, ah, we're done, forget it, we're quitting, then still a whole second group of people that can pick up the torch. Right, right. Now, do you think at the end of the day, maybe in 10 years time, there's gonna be a lot less blockchains or do you think there's actually gonna be more? I think blockchain itself is like a sort of a gateway drug to decentralized networks. And I think in 10 years time, there will be a lot more decentralized networks, mm -hmm. but they all have this uh, power of sc this, this scale effect where the bigger ones, they are networks. So the network effect is get more people in, you get more connections, and then more people want to get in, just like how it's hard to leave Facebook, Twitter, et cetera, because everybody's there. Mm -hmm. So I think that will be where the all these networks compete in the future. Bitcoin right now is just a blockchain, but the Bitcoin community is going to be the Bitcoin main chain, Lightning networks. It's going to be you know rootstock dApps. They're oh, going to have lots of different things to choose from if everything goes right in the next ten years, and that's going to result in you know people who just have some Bitcoin, but they're not holding on to it for this reason. They're just I guess they already called this Bitcoiners. Like, you know, they, they bought into the network and right. when the network, they succeeds and they tell their friends about it. So I, I think there will be fewer blockchains to choose from, but there will be more networks out there than ever. That's a good way of looking at it. I, I had an interview with uh, a consult rather with a Bitcoin maximalist guy that I knew from a chat room. He was on Satoshi's, you know, mailing list, or the cipher, the cypherpunk mailing list way back when. So he's been in Bitcoin since the beginning. And I thought, you know, I would love to show him the Pele white paper and just see what this guy thought. And he's still into Ethereum and altcoins. You know, he's into the whole scene. But anyway, he brought up a good point to, to your point about politics and this kind of thing. And he said, you know, there was there was talk of making smart contracts more of a thing on the Bitcoin main chain you know, seven years ago when Ethereum was launching, but the community said no. The community was like, we don't want to mess with that. We want to stick to the core fundamentals of what Bitcoin is supposed to be. I thought that, that what the community said more was like, why? <laughs> <laughs> we have op return. Why would we need anything more than that? I, I saw an old talk by a long-haired Bitcoiner 
who, did, who was doing the development at the time, and that was basically the gist of it. It was his take on it. Yeah, so Rootstock, you and I went through, I think it was after we did that first white paper. It may have been before, but we looked through white Rootstock because, I don't know, I was feeling really strongly like this would be really cool to build on Bitcoin. And I feel like it could get a whole really supportive community behind it. And I don't know, every time I think of what Pele, Pele is and Big Tube and our whole little universe of characters, I think this is such a Bitcoin, a Bitcoiners thing. It doesn't feel like a Zillica's thing. Like, it's cool. The Zillica community just wants the Zillica community to thrive, which I think is awesome. It's been really cool to get involved because everyone just wants to see success for all these tokens they're buying. But, but I always felt like this would be really cool. So we were looking into Rootstock. And what did we learn? We learned that people are losing a lot of money just by faulty transactions or the code not going through. There's hardly anything built on it. There was Sovereign, which is like a DeFi app for staking permissionlessly your Bitcoin into on, on this app. But even that, I think, isn't fully launched. So there's really not a lot of a lot of wiggle room to play with here, not without spending a lot of money. Yeah, a lot of the rootstock tools, if you're really gonna jump in and be one of the early adopters, you have to come into it with the attitude you're gonna be building a lot yourself. Yeah. And maintaining a lot yourself too. And that's just not really startup friendly. <laughs> not really, unless you are coming from the Bitcoin people where it's, you know, you've got all your capital in Bitcoin and you're dependent on staying in that ecosystem. I think Rootstock could have its day in the sun still, but it's not today really. Yeah, yeah, but it's cool to keep that on the keep that on the watch list just because it could be it could be cool. Could be a cool place to move. <laughs> or bridge to. Or bridge to. So let's talk about um oof, where do we go from here? Let's talk about Pele a little more. Because yeah. I've I've explained my perspective enough times on on these episodes that I don't really think many people listen to, but I, I've, I've explained it from my point of view as an artist, as a, I guess, a traveler, as someone that sees the world being a better place if more people are sharing their own stories and making their own media and not being beholden to this idea that content is king, right? And that's the main thing that keeps me invigorated when I see of all, I see all the different projects that are doing something similar, right? Everyone asks, oh, is Pele similar to XCAT or is, there's all these different things trying to do, trying to do similar, with similar intentions. It feels like, but what we're we're really focusing on is enhancing that the power between users, those interactions that create the media, not keeping content as this centralized point, the center of gravity that brings in all the value, but rather distributing all that. And it's not something I seem to notice in other projects and their white papers. However, sometimes I wonder if maybe it's built into like the ethos of the whole cryptocurrency space anyway. In your experience, because you do a lot of work with similar with similar projects, do you see Pele offering something that could be long-term unique? Based to your point, the top based on this philosophy that kind of conflicts with the the big tube narrative yeah it's good the, the big tube narrative and the content is king concept those have a proven success 
and that proven success is YouTube. So if you go down the same road as them, eventually you'll have to confront YouTube and beat it. I don't think that's ever going to happen. I think as long as content is king, YouTube will be the king of content. So there's room out there for somebody who, or a project that does things differently, flip it on their head for, flips it on the, its head for the patterns, the people, the content that gets cut out by the, the content is king narrative. And so, you know, what, what, what attracted me to your project at the beginning and what I, what I think has kept us working together this long is this idea that, you know, that if we reduce the friction, reduce the middleman, then there's things out there that would, what, that we're not seeing, but that aren't getting the light of day and they're true, uh, worthwhile, they're truly worthwhile things, mostly, you know, dissenting voices or even just voices far away from a microphone that, don't get there's no way for them to start where they can't get access to the funds or you know the the protocol that or that really the platform that would host their video doesn't see the immediate value in it so it gets demonetized or doesn't get put in front of people because the algorithm can't sort it out all of those things are kind of ossified in YouTube where you're not going to remove the algorithm and the ad revenue and the way creators are monetized, all of those things work together and fit together. And so when you say we're going to assume that we live in a world where YouTube exists, we're going to go in the other direction and reach everybody else. And so in a world where Pele has kind of done its job, I think you'll be out there free to make content and reach X group of people with Y strange content piece in you know almost you know, with no friction no delay time because the, the audience that wants strange things is there and the people that love to make them are there and they're in a direct conversation they're they're interacting with each other as two different entities that know are aware of each other and the the product product their project that they're using is designed to foster that and so i think i think in a in a world where pele succeeds Projects like XCAD also could exist because maybe they vanquished YouTube, but we don't have to vanquish YouTube to succeed. Right. Yeah, that's something that I always made me feel good about what we're doing. Otherwise, yeah, it feels like we're just reinventing the wheel. No offense to XCAD or anyone. But where do where do badges play into this? Because badges are something oh, that... Badge project. I should really write a blog post about it. I mean, the badges are huge. I think the badges are one of the most important components. I was either going to ask you, what about badges or what about NFTs? I still don't understand this whole NFT business, uh, the hype. I get it to an extent. That's why we're trying to sell these little collectibles. Like, oh, I got in on Pele in the beginning, uh, even though a coin does the same thing. But, but the badges almost remind me of like an NFT. Like, oh, I was part well, of Well, they basically are. They're a special designed NFT. The, the goal of an NFT is to make, you know, the, the object transferable, whatever it is. It's always a virtual object because you would still have to have the real world object follow the virtual object if that was how it ha worked. But making it transferable makes it something that someone can monetize or trade around. So you can't really give someone an NFT that represents their achievement. If it was a trophy and it says, hey, you're the best golf player in the world, well, it's it just sells it. I mean, that is kind of what happens to real world trophies sometimes, but they at least have your name on it. Yeah. So you, you know, you've got like Michael Phelps fourth gold medal in an auction or something. So it's a non fungible, non transferable token. 
Exactly. The only the, it's really a way to mark things in your community, which in our case for Pele, it's the way to mark creators for their achievements and community members for their participation so that it benefits you to not say, you know, I'm Jordan, here's my wallet, whatever. You don't have to start that way. You could say, here's my wallet and people could look in there and see there is a persona there. There's there's an entity with an identity. It's not necessarily here's their real world entity, their address. It's here's what they've done in the network. Right, right. So how far along is the development of a, a badge contract? Are you working on that? Oh, it's done. Oh. It was finished at the beginning of this year before we even started talking about the white paper. It was, it was a, my meta transactions grant that I finished. In order to deliver that, I was required to also write the badges up. Oh. They, they also, it... they can work with meta transactions where if you want to send them to somebody, you know, who doesn't have any Zelle, you can handle it for them. They don't, they can have a wallet with no KYC on any exchanges, no Zill held, and they can still be, you know, marked and, yeah, that's one thing I wanted to. That's one thing I wanted to bring up because everyone mentions their project is a ZRC two, but we always say where is ZRC three, and I feel like no one actually knows what that is, and so I have to. I, I put I put ZRC three and then in parentheses I put meta transactions, but even that before you explained it to me, I didn't know what that meant. But once you did, I'm like, why isn't this just the default? Like it I is, feel the same way. It is the most annoying thing in the world to have to buy the base currency, Zill or ETH, to send a transaction. Why can't I just send it in the token I'm trying to sell? Yep. So when I saw meta transactions growing on Ethereum, I said, if if there's another blockchain out there that doesn't have these, I would need these to be here to really yeah. start to play. Right. Okay. And so I, I brought them over to Silica. So are the badges a ZRC contract? They're not a ZRC in that they're not approved. They're not like an official part of the registry. I could go through that process, but the ZRC3 was was a, a probably a bigger deal in the short term than badges, and it took me four months to get it reviewed and approved. So what would I it think take? What would it take to get the badges official? Oh, just adding a pull request. The same process. I I didn't really feel like doing them both at once, but it, yeah, we could make it ZRC7 or maybe ZRC6. I think that one's still up for grabs. That could be There's cool. There's a pull for it, but it's been sitting there for eight months now. So that could be a still- cool marketing opportunity for both of us because badges are an integral part. Like people, someone bought our first NFT and it's like, so you said this comes with something else? And I was like, yeah, we can't really legally throw in Pele tokens right now, but we're going to give you a badge, an early adopter badge, which is going to make your profile, you know, powerful, especially in the beginning here. Actually, especially later on. When, when this is a thing in five years or whatever, uh, you're gonna have a badge that says you were an early adopter and that's gonna count for something. So it would be really cool to be able to send that buyer one of those and it would be really cool just to be able to start distributing these now because as you know, we're, we getting, we're getting the DAO started and any, any Pele PFT holders member of the DAO and we wanna, get, we wanna get badges to these holders as well, so. Yeah, you just probably wanna have some guidelines. You know, a lot of people have like one master wallet that's kind of their savings account that has like a ridiculous amount of Zill in it. That's where their stake money is from, all that stuff. That might not be the wallet you want to put a badge on because, no, you know, the not. badge is for your persona, like your Zill Pay, you know, light wallet that has enough Zill to have fun on some dApps, but not so much that if you, you know, if you're known by people as that wallet, they won't know exactly your savings account. <laughs> like that's, yeah. that's kind of the cat. Yeah, like, you need we, to connect a different we account. A badge on the today. You can badge me as one of the first. Uh, Let's do it. Let's badge you. 
Let me badge you, Cameron. We'll do that. Uh, that would be cool to do live, actually, but we might have to set. You could share your screen, no? Or is that going to take some time? Maybe we'll do it no. after. Do you have GitHub set up? Yeah, I got GitHub set up. Can you clone my Z badges repo with your the the only thing you know the classic uh, reason why I would need to would, at one point wanted to be in the same room as you is because we want to have all the contracts under the Pele master wallet. So if you deployed that contract, even the the script to uh, the JavaScript file to issue a badge is already there. So yeah, we could. I'll send you the link to it. I'm trying to. Uh search for your github but i can't find it starling foundries okay yeah yeah in fact i've actually been working on the github lately um, because i finally made open source the storytelling guide so which is a weird one i actually wanted to ask you or something about that you know how with github you can just make a github pages so the content automatically builds into a jekyll site or hugo or whatever yeah. What if the okay. content, what if like we have a theme that we paid for, so we can't actually make the theme for this site open source, but the content is open source. And I wanted to make it so the content on the GitHub is always the same as the content on the website, but they can't be the same repo. I don't know how to like plug in, like, okay, pull from this repo, you know, this file, this markdown file. Yeah, you could, you could get that done pretty easily with, uh, what are they called? GitHub Actions. GitHub Actions. Okay, I'll look into that. Where you automate things. Yeah, I could, I could show you some of that after the call. That that probably isn't worth live streaming. Yeah, if it has anything to do with webhooks, I won't be able to figure it out. All right, I'm on your Z badges. Is that it? Yeah. Okay, let it be known in this episode, everyone. This is the first fork of Starling Foundry Z badges. Forking oh, yeah, it is the Pele Network. So I just want to take this moment to say something. Uh, we talked about earlier how no one really watches these. And uh, I mean, some people have watched them. Some people tune in. The main intention is just to show people like who we are, what's going on. But we're actually getting a lot done. I mean, no, no. The primary intention of these are for me to figure shit out. So I, I'll talk. I talked to Package Portal and I figured out their token model. I'll talk to Sandra, figure out where Zalika's going. Talk to Doctor Death, figure out you know the NFT market. Talk to you, get a little insight on on where you're at. And right now we're doing the Z badges, and this is a really big step. It may seem like a small small thing, but it's a really big step for everything we're working on. So it, it is kind of neat how these chats are turning into this. These like. Just these little, but what is what, one small step for man, uh, one giant leap for mankind situations. Yeah. Every time we talk, I just want to throw smart contracts at Jay. Like, yeah. what, what's going to take to get NFTs? Like, here's some NFTs. Well, this is one thing I've enjoyed about our relationship is I, I trust you. It, it, you know, it took some time to like figure out that you knew your shit because a lot of people don't know their shit and act like they know their shit. But you really do know what you're talking about, I, I believe. I believe to the point where I just trust you. I don't have to think about it. And for a founder, <laughs> for any kind of startup founder, that's a really important thing. Like, that's just a really important, like, to be able to just trust someone that you, in my case, you can't, you just can't figure out on your own. Like, I'll do all my own research. 
but I'll never be able to understand certain things. That's why uh, that's why the COVID pandemic has been so difficult for me because I'm just unable to understand science. I'll do all the research I can, but you know, 10th grade honors chemistry was tough, man. <laughs> and I'm still that same person. <laughs> so it's good to just have someone to trust and things that are more, more uh, knowledgeable than you. Okay, I've made the fork. Yeah, I'm seeing that it doesn't actually have the uh, script to issue a uh, badge. So I'm going to go ahead and make that for you real quick. Send it over. Okay, it's fetching upstream, right? So that's fine. It'll just I just. I don't know how you uh, you forked it, so I'm not sure. Actually, I just pressed fork. This looks like a new a new feature. It says oh, this... so it's where you forked it is somewhere in New York. It uh, probably your personal account. No, I forked it to Pele Network. Okay. Yeah. So if anyone's still watching, this is how uh, this is how smart contract DApps get done over virtual calls. This is probably exactly what it would be like if we weren't uh, recording this call. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> at That's some point actually, it devolves into. <laughs> you know, this is something I wanted to tell you too. Uh, it's it's kind of an announcement, but until there's a platform of people that really care, we're I'm going to turn this into a show every Tuesday and Thursday, like a program where I'm just live for two hours. We'll have conversations. We'll maybe we'll do things like this, play artists' music or videos, or show off their their content, but really just bring the community together in a visual programmatic way like jordan's streaming. fireside chats well they'll just be called pele network pele cast we actually got to come up with a title too ideally i'm not hosting them forever i don't think i'm that great of a host uh i i don't disenjoy it i like it but at some point it'd be cool to get like djs in here and play a bunch of people's music of artists that are using pele network and things like that but this is the kind of content that could be happening in a two or three hour live show. Like, oh, hey, Jordan and Cameron are deploying the smart contract. <laughs> so Hello. I'm, I'm going to share my screen and give the audience a little view of what this is. Here we go. All yeah, right. You take the spotlight while I write the script real quick. Yeah, okay. So, here we are on GitHub. Z-Badges by Cameron Sajidi. Z-Badges enable digitally scarce or achievement-based badges on the Zillica blockchain. So, this is a really big, a big thing when you're trying to create an ecosystem of content creators that have to trust each other. As part of a potential future ZRC, this is a shout out to Zillica. Let's make this a real ZRC, uh, assuming it works. It should be suitable for games, simple DAOs, decentralized project management. Boom, baby. Context, the Ethereum equivalent to this effort, open proofs has been inactive for some time. Their implementation has not been updated. It's based on the, oh, it's based on the ERC721, which is the original NFT. With the addition of some metadata and a lot of logic around organizing communities and designating badge, badge data, such as title, image, etc. Cool. Redesign. Designed with the inherent modularity of Zilliqa in mind. Any large-scale badge standard would be bogged down if it all ran through one contract on their sharded chain. So we will change the conceptual structure somewhat. Cool. 
In order to have a community, you might combine this contract with a multi-sig wallet and an off-chain data store such as IPFS. You might combine this contract with a multi-sig wallet and an off-chain data store. Okay. The multi-sig wallet would be, you know, the entities yeah. in the DAO that are all communally issuing these badges so one person isn't just dictating them. Yeah, for that now it's idea. A, Yeah, it's a good idea. We don't have a multi-sig wallet for our DAO right now. I'm not sure if we will, to be honest. We're going to be an old-school DAO, uh, and we're just going to vote on things. And then by the time we launch the official Pele Network decentralized contract, then it'll be a, you know, one of them crazy DeFi DAOs. Yeah. Consider that you're a local recon girl troop leader. A recon girl, much... Oh, I can't wait to read this example. Much like <laughs> a Girl Scout. Girl Scouts. Yeah. A, a recon girl like a Girl Scout wants to sell cookies to earn an achievement badge that distinguishes her among her peers. In this scenario, the recon girl... So like Boy Scout badges on your belt, right? The belt loops. The recon, or Girl Scout badges. They work the same way. <laughs> but did they have... They had badges, right? But Boy Scouts had the loops on the belt. Right, I think oh. I did Boy Scouts for a couple of years. You're you're in deeper than me already. I don't know. I, I was in like Weeblos, and my dad said that's too weird of a name. We're done with this. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a weird name. It is kind of a weird name. I think it has to. I think it comes from a Native American tribe or something. That's like a world where they completely just were not politically correct about a whole lot of names they used. Okay, so. The recon girls are as decentralized as possible. No central organization exists above the troop leader. And for that reason, they issue their badges on the blockchain so that different troops can compete and compare. The badge in this case is for selling five boxes of cookies. Each girl gets a badge when she sells her fifth box of cookies. This scenario can cheaply and fairly be fairly managed on the Zillica blockchain. So how can we put this badge there and give fair access across troops? The above scenario hopefully justifies breaking out the excessive logic for communities in the open proofs contracts. Communities are too homogenous and not always present in every badge application. To complete the scenario, we could have a second badge class is created that is the governance for all the leaders of the Girl Scout troops. You would have a minimum interface including a global leader role, okay, an active member roster, and a mapping of which other agents in the Scout troop ecosystem have achieved the right to be troop leaders. The mapping would point each troop leader to their associated badge contract, and the subordinate badge contracts would even set the signing authority according to the Master C badge that designates the valid troop leader. Later, this can be extended with each troop's preferred governance system acting as a proxy contract to the Z badge, but to interact with the decentralized badge market, they would only need the standard described and additional field for subscriptions reporting the badges each troop unit has bought into. Full stop. Now I kind of got lost there by the end. Uh, I think I understand it. I'm though. sorry. It was it was written for people who knew about open proofs because I did tell those people that I was writing this. And oh so right, okay. That's that's who I was expecting to read it, and they're going to say, "Well, why? How is this going to manage a community if it's only just one badge?" Well, I was like, "Well, you make more than one contract if you got different communities." Right. So okay. So right now, for example, we're going to mint or deploy. The Z badge for the the Pele, should we call it the OG DAO? How do you say OG in like a real world, a real real world, like original, I guess? The, yeah, uh, original the or uh, 
beta uh, DAO. initial. We can call it the beta DAO, the preliminary DAO. We're going to make uh, a I don't know. Uh, don't call it the beta DAO. Call it like the initial DAO because maybe we won't change it. Maybe maybe it's the, the DAO of all DAOs for all time. And we keep these Pele PFTs forever. But we could. Well, I guess we, we don't want to. We don't want to start out by saying it's going to go away. Well, essentially, the Pele PFTs dissolve into Pele tokens that represent a smaller share in the DAO, right? So technically, we are starting off by saying that that's what's in the white paper. But okay, yeah, you're right. In that case, then yeah. But but you bring up a good point because while we still could have these Pele PFTs turn into Pele tokens for for all these early DAO members. We could keep the tokens around for, well, I would say for voting, but ideally by the time that happens, that was our whole design plan. Remember, Cameron? The whole design was we we don't we don't get those tokens unless we make the decentralized network launch. Those tokens don't exist for any of us. So, which could be, and it's going away. There's a hundred Pele PFTs, but I think we put a. a two decimal places. So there can be up to what a thousand, ten thousand, ten thousand. However, when you go above five hundred as far as US law goes, then that could be considered more uh, like beyond uh what did the lawyers say? Like it it goes beyond something that's like humanly manageable, right? If you have more than five hundred holders that are vote sharing their voice in the DAO by voting. So ideally we don't go beyond 500 for those purposes, but originally we just wanted there to be a hundred. So there's a hundred maximum people that are making this thing happen. And then we all contribute to make it happen. We put content out there. We develop this whole freaking ecosystem. We market it. We, we all, all, everything that's necessary to put a startup out in the world based on a blockchain. So there's a hundred of us maximum. And then we all receive, a share of that based on based on what we put in. But now apparently that can be up to 10,000. When we do put these Pele PFTs into ZillSwap, there is gonna be that second decimal place, which means that people are gonna be able to buy a fraction. It works out because at the price we would, I think, reasonably part with these Pele PFTs, which are essentially votes uh, in the, a one Pele PFT is a 1% vote in our beta DAO or whatever we call it, the initial DAO, the Pele DAO. But if you could buy, you know, uh, a 10th, 1% uh, of one, and that would be 1% of one vote. And that's totally cool. It's not gonna act for much. In fact, we might not even have the functionality for you to be able to contribute with your vote, but you would still technically be, be a holder in there. And the fact is we are super centralized here in the beginning. Uh, me essentially being the whale, which I don't like. Not uh, super centralized. We're personnel centralized. Yeah. And that there right. are there are some people that provide unique services to the future network that have, we'll say, a, a, a temporary power imbalance in their favor. Yeah, right. And so that's where it comes into any any blockchain startup is like, do you trust these people or not? Right. Like so. But the Pele token, we can't steal it. It's Got all the same rules as any other ZRC yeah, token. The Pele token Once it's is in your wallet, it's as yours. Yeah, which I guess is really big. Although I'm learning about other projects that like don't even do that. Uh, so I mean, that and people buy into those and they're huge. Like so, that sometimes is kind of weird to hear about. 
But anyway, back how to much these more people. excited they'll hear about when they they'll be when they hear about a project that really is decentralized on the blockchain. Yeah, hopefully. Okay, with a max. I finished max. all the scripts and they're on GitHub now. So let's do it, baby. So now, do I have to what? Do I have to pull or something? It's two commits behind. So fetch upstream, Which... fetch and merge. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's a new it's uh, a new thing here in um, GitHub that I know of. You can just automatically click it to fetch upstream. That's cool. Yeah, it's a few commands if you did the command line, so it's nice that they added that convenience feature. I use I haven't used that, but I do that process all the time. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it will require some changes from you because I don't know your private key, and I also don't know where the deployed contract is, but I can walk you through those. Yeah, let's do it. So I'm which uh, do I need make.js or issue? Yeah. So step one is you got to get a, a named badge. You know, so when you issue a badge, it's like, for instance, it is like the Girl Scouts where the badge might be an achievement like you know, fire starter. I learned how to start a fire with a stick and, 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 and wire or whatever. Not just the first. Every person who does that isn't going to get their own badge. It's all of them are holder or they're, they've been badged with the same one. That way, if you're saying, you know, right. let me sort out who has got this one or that one in particular, you can get all of those at once. So basically, we want to add right now today the uh, what did I call it the the Pele early adopter badge, right? Right. Well, no, let's call it the DAO. Let's do the DAO badge. Okay. So in Make.js, there's a Pele early adopter on line 38. Just change that to what you want to name the badge. Okay. One sec. Line 138. Oh, on Make. No, 38 on Make.js. I think I'm on uh, issue. Which one do we need to deploy the contract? Oh, you haven't deployed the contract yet? I thought you were going to do that in the the Savant IDE, but I can make you a deploy script if you want. Hang on, you're dealing with a, a toddler in this uh, in this space, Cameron. Hang on. And then you, you don't want to share your screen because you're worried your password's going to show up somewhere. Share, yeah, yeah, live stream the password, or the passphrase, rather, right? Oh, no, it is a, it's an encryption password, so it's not a passphrase. Okay, so this one is make.js. Is that the one I do first? That Well, first you have to have a deployed contract, and then we need the address for it. So step one is to go to the Savant ID, make a new uh, contract, paste in the, I think I called it zbadges.scilla, the .scilla file in there. Yeah, zbadge.scilla. I'm excited because... Uh, I've wanted somebody to use this for a while. I've probably pushed it on, let's say, the, the clothing, high-end clothing brand in LA. They're going to use it eventually. I think probably the NFT decks that I'm building is going to use it to make some like approved artists that get to sell NFTs that are official because they've got the Twitter blue check. Yeah, well, that's part of our DAO, or sorry, that's part of our beta phase uh, with the Pele platform. The beta platform is uh, as soon as we launch the the Pele swap, so you can make a liquidity pool for your project, you have to be verified. You're going to have to have a, a badge in order to do that, because otherwise we'll just be spending a whole bunch, bunch of zill on, uh, on launching contracts and not really getting anywhere. Yeah, and the cool thing with this remote state read edition that the Zilliqa team put together, uh, now you can have a smart contract that in band, so in one transition, 
you can say they have to have a certain badge to do this certain thing. And whenever they try to do it, it'll look in the badge contract to see if that particular center has it. Oh, that's super cool. Sweet. Okay, I'm in the IDE on the mainnet. So on the left, you got to make a new like plus for the a new file. Okay. Paste and in the Z badge code. The Z badge code. From the Z badge file. Actually, I'm gonna just I'm gonna check it real quick. Make sure it still has it. A lot has changed. Oh, the Scylla file, right, okay. Cool. All right, do I press check after that? You can, but I just checked it and it's still still golden, yeah. baby. Okay. You can deploy it. You do you still have your uh, your .json file, the, the wallet loaded yeah. up? Yeah, it's all still here, yeah. So just make sure you're on the main net and then do deploy. Just you got to change the gas price from one to two. Don't forget that. That's a constant bug. Um, I wonder if this would uh, be bad for privacy to live stream this deploy. I'm trying to think. Do you have to enter in a passphrase? Make a new browser uh, window and hide all your old tabs for, I don't know, whatever you're doing with all your other tabs. That's so, what I'm worried about. What if they see... I'm shopping on Amazon, 10 different tabs. What are they going to think of me? <laughs> okay, I think this means content creation. Four months ago. RBB. Man, sometimes I don't remember which... Uh... Oh, yeah, okay. This one has 418 of the 420,000 Pele. So yeah, this one is it. Great. The master key. It has so many like smart, it has so many contracts I deployed that like didn't work. Remember when we did the first one, we did the decimals wrong. Yeah. And then, <laughs> it was a 420,069. Yeah. I'm thinking of re-launching uh, that one when it's time, but I guess it doesn't really matter. All right, so I'm putting in the owner as us. I changed the gas price to, what is yeah, it? You should make this. The authority, uh, well, you see, before, before I was imagining all of this lives on a server with a, or a you know, infrastructure with a, a key, like your master key, that's hidden. And then the authority is like another key. Basically, all that to say I can uh, at least, well, okay, this is, are you doing this on the mainnet? Yeah. Should I do it on testnet? Well, if you do it on the mainnet, then we should just make a, quickly make another wallet that is for the authority. If your game, give me a minute, I can do it for you. I still don't. Can you explain one more time what the authority is? So uh, the 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 process is that basically anytime somebody want, gets a badge, they actually have to consent to it because you know I was I was kind of annoyed that you could just kind of do whatever you want with all the addresses. So I figured at least the default version, I can remove this requirement, but you have to have a signature from the person who's going to be badged saying, I want this badge. And then both of you together, this is kind of how the meta transactions work into it. They send you that to your server and then your server signs and sends the signature themselves to the smart contract so that everybody's consented to have, to being badged. Gotcha. So the authority so is a wallet address. Exactly, and it, you could make it the your owner wallet for now, 
but we'll probably end up uh, wanting to change that. Why would I we want to change it? For now, it feels like it's perfect to make it the same because it's the DAO. Okay. The yeah, let's do it then. Then this this badge contract will just be for DAO stuff because you know if, if we're constantly issuing and burning badges for a whole community, you're gonna want a, a wallet that you feel comfortable leaving on a server. But yeah. we can have more than one badge contract. That's totally fine. One well, for the this, DAO, one for the funding of the chain. This is also something that we can. Let me ask you this. So we do this now, and anyone that has one of these badges can vote, right? Or whatever it is. And say we want to convert these badges to a different, a different authority in the future. That's that's we can. What what is it called? Snapshot the this badge contract and make sure that yeah. the next when we mint again, it goes to the migration. People. We can, we, can, we can migrate the contract. Okay, so for now, let's just keep it as the same one. Cool. Okay, well, then I'm going to have to send you a signature for my wallet to consent to being badged. Let me yes. get that ready. So do I deploy it first? Yeah, you deploy it uh, yourself with both the owner and the authority should be the same wallet address, right? Yes, as it is. Okay. But there's no name here. Give me a name. A name of the badge. Well, no, because you you make the like the first step is you make a badge, which you can make any number of badges per contract. So you know the first badge might be Pele Early Adopter or, or Pele DAO Participant. If you wanted another badge, it's like you know Friends of the DAO, then that could live in this contract. That's why there's no name when you deploy it because you can have a, you know a name per badge. Okay, I'm still gonna need some talk to some primer in the future of. The, what the difference between the owner and the authority is then. Yeah. Yeah. yeah because to me, it seems like it's the same thing in our case right now. So you're it saying is, in the yeah. future, in the future, say on the Pele network and say you're a creator and you want to make a Starling Foundries badge, you would be the authority? The, the, in this case, the authority is more of a, you know, from the perspective of someone doing the DevOps for you which wallet is ultimately allowed to badge people. Okay. Which in your case is the owner wallet. That's fine. It, it, probably in a future version of this contract, I'll add the logic to just change who the authority is if you're the owner. Okay. I didn't realize that wasn't already in there. Well, good. This is why we test them. That's why yeah. we use them. All right, cool. Deploying. Dun, da, da, da. Sorry I didn't live stream that, everyone. Sorry you can't see it, but I don't want to dox, dox a... Uh, the number of characters in my passphrase. <laughs> Although it does say passphrase. Is that correct? I think it's just a password. It's just an encryption password. It's not a passphrase. Zillica, Zillica, Zillica. I'm trying to figure out what I thought people were going to be signing real quick. Got to look through it again. That's okay. Oh, it's a hash of your own public key. That's easy. Let checker no transition in contract Z badge contains an accept statement. Oh yeah, that's that's not an error. That's just a I caution. Mean, yeah, but that just means it can't hold any money, which is what you want it to do. If people send it money, you'd be like, "This for." <laughs> would you? How would you compare learning something like Scylla to JavaScript? The thing is, uh, with things like JavaScript. You know, there's there's a lot more things you can do to learn it, and also when you get it wrong, it's uh, 
for several reasons. One, the top one being Stack Overflow has a thousand answers for every JavaScript question. It's easier to get an answer for what went wrong. With uh, Scylla, it's really you're kind of always flying by what's out there, which is just the docs and what you can ask questions about. Right. So when you run into a problem, you have to like there's a kind of a saying in 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 computing where if you program at the maximal level of cleverness that you have, then by definition you're incapable of debugging it because you have to be more clever than when you're writing it to figure out what went wrong. Uh -huh, okay. <laughs> so uh, we did it. That kind it's of like, so you have you have to get past you know like a lot of people could hack together a Scylla contract from looking at the contracts I've written or the Zalika team's written. And maybe they can get them to pass the type checker. But when there's, you know, small edge cases or just instances of poor design, that's that's where it becomes, that's where the real learning curve is. I could, I could write Scylla that passes the type checker probably two weeks into learning it. But I would say I wasn't really comfortable to the point where I would just write a smart contract and say, let's go for it mm. until probably last year. Makes sense. So it's live. Yeah. The contract is there. I uh, forgot to mention I don't have a Zilpay wallet. Do you need one? We'll just we can just badge we'll just badge a random wallet. It's fine. Well, no, it's got to be you. Why don't you have a Zilpay wallet? Uh, Zilpay has some problems for me. Oh really? Where it keeps erasing my wallets when I make them, so I just lost confidence in Zilpay. Oh, uh, and that would be the wallet you would want to uh, to give your. Well, let's see. Maybe, no, I do actually have one. Okay, we could call it the Pioneer DAO, the Maiden DAO. I kind of like Maiden DAO. That kind of goes with uh, our D and D theme for our titles. Yeah, let's call it the Maiden DAO. <laughs> okay, cool. So, ooh, Promethean. Oh, it's testnet money. I was like, dang, my my Zilpay wallet's loaded. <laughs> classic, classic mistake. So, Maiden DAO badges. Maiden LA Network DAO badges. DAO. Cool. So that's all renamed on GitHub for anyone that wants to check it out. You got that address? So now I have to run which? Issue or make? First you have to run make. And to make you, the badge. In make you have to change the private key. How are we doing these contracts that I gave you before with your wallet? Did, did you extract the private key or do yeah, you import I, the JSON? I extracted it from the JSON. Okay. So then all you have to do in the make.js file copy is that change key private key yeah. to, the, to the private key. That's on line 14. You change that to your private key. On line 24, you need to change the NFT address to the... Sorry, real quick, be... Cameron. I changed private key to key store. Uh, well, what you could always do is copy the whole block yeah. from that one of the ones that works but, to where it goes in there. But it's not priv key. It's key store equals blah, 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 blah. Instead yeah, of... so you'll have to change it to that. Stuff. Done. Okay. Okay. I can't remember the details of it, but if I, if I was looking at it, you know, I could, I could 
Okay. No, it's cool. I got it. And then I need to add the cons constant address, await, Zillica wallet, and then the passphrases in there. Uh, I think all the lines should match up. Well, line it's 18. A... Line 18, for example. Constant Look. address uh, in the make.js is get address from private key. But we don't have the private key. We have the key store. So over in the old ones, we have. Oh, you also you don't need that. You can you can delete all those lines, address, and all eighteen to twenty. You can delete all of those. Those are just telling you who's sending it in the console, which is not okay. all that important. No. But where do we put? We don't have anywhere to put. Oh, we also have line fifteen. Zalika wallet add by private key. This has got to be no fun for anyone watching now. I'm going to end the stream. <laughs> I'm going to end the stream and let's finish this. But hey, okay. thanks Are for you... coming on, Cameron, and to anyone watching to this page. We now have Pele Network Maiden DAO badges. So if you want to join the DAO, get in touch. We'll soon have those Pele PFTs on Zillswap. And you'll get a badge and you can be part of uh, the core team of pioneers on the, ma the maiden voyage of Pele Network DAO. So. Anything you want to say? Starling Foundries is Cameron's company. You can find Cameron on Twitter, C Sajidi. Anything else? Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to my upcoming carbon neutralization of the Zilliqa, Zilliqa blockchain and say watch out for that. It's coming very soon. Sweet. Cool. Yeah, that was something uh, I actually wanted to talk more about, but we didn't get a chance to. Well, we can Probably going to have to come back another time. Yeah, well, like I said, when we get this show going, we'll have you on as a regular guest. Uh, I feel like everyone in the community offers a different kind of, um, it's a different offering for the odd, different audiences, right? So people more interested in the engineering programming side of, of Zillica would probably really enjoy us deploying smart contracts a lot more than the people who want to hear new music or learn about NFTs. So. Well, All I have right. to think about how to, how to safely stream that in the future, but yeah. Yeah, right. All right, Cameron. Oh.